0: Welcome to the Fly Podcast Designed for the Creative, where we feature guest speakers to share the heart of their journey. We invite you to join us in the Creative's Nest, where we inspire you to take flight and release the flow of divine creativity. I'm your host, Rhonda Taylor, poet, writer, and founder of FlaBara. Get ready to renew your strength, mount up, and fly. Welcome to the Flabberoff podcast. I'm your host, Rhonda Taylor, and in today's episode, we're talking about the heart of worship, and I couldn't think of anyone better to have with me to have this conversation other than a true worshiper himself, Ken. Ken Robinson is a teacher, minister, and worship leader, so I want to welcome you to the Creatives Nest, Ken. Thank you so much. So I've had the opportunity to witness your worship um, because you performed at flight night and other events and so when I think of someone with the heart of worship you're one of the first people that come to mind because you pour out in this beautiful way you're not afraid to show your emotions and I think most importantly you have a very humble spirit. Um, So I want to kind of start where I always start with people is talking about your genesis. What is your genesis into singing and songwriting?
1: Um, I would say that it all started in church, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, from a very young age, I remember um, prior to the one of the churches I grew up in, um, just listening to the choir, we weren't on the choir, but just the music aspect of service is what I was anticipating. I would always look forward to the choir. Um, and then going to my grandmother's church, um, which was of a United Methodist affiliation, you know, um, that's where I really started embracing the microphone aspect of singing, like actually leading songs or whatnot. But um, I would say as time developed and everything, when God shifted me to New Bethel, that's when I really um, discovered the aspect of who I am through worship, not just gospel music, but Mm -hmm. the avenue of worship. I would say that my time at New Bethel um, started to break ground in that area.
0: You're speaking about growing up in church, and that's kind of one of the things I was going to bring up with you, because I know that church plays a role in your worship. And I'm going to say this because you put it on Facebook today. But you grew (laughs) up in church so much that you wore suits and all that stuff to school because that was just like you grew up in church. That was your life. That was your culture. Um, So what are some of your great influences and examples of a true worshiper? You kind of mentioned your grandmother and her church in New Bethel and stuff like that. What are some Mm -hmm. influences that kind of help you get to understanding what a true worshiper is?
1: Um. That is a great question. I think it's easy to um, kind of follow suit of what you see, especially when you grow up in church, when you're attending church on the regular. Um, I would say that I emulated certain people, but I guess when I really started to get an understanding um, about the authenticity of worship Mm -hmm. and just how genuine it is, Um, I would say the main example that comes to mind in my genesis when I really started embracing it is CeCe Winans. Um, She was someone that I would admire as a child because she's simply beautiful. But um, once I started to study her on stage, um, it's like worship was just she made it beautiful. Like she just Mm -hmm. made worship something that seemed inviting. And then it's like, she knew how to handle when worship would become, um, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but it's like, there was a grace that she would present with the worship. Um, And so now outside of C.C. Winans, I mean, you have, um, I'm really big on Maverick City right now um, and Chandler Moore. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, I've gotten comfortable with the aspect of um, studying others. And I think for a long time I was against it because it just didn't sound, you know, authentic. Like people actually study other people. And I had right. to realize that it's not really studying their, their ways, like studying them and their gift, but more so studying their method, you know, like, um, I don't know how to really explain it, you know, being a worship leader, you're trusted with the environment of the house, you know, you are trusted with that assignment to bring the people into a place of worship that prepares their hearts for the word. And, um, I think through observing certain worship leaders, I learned a sense of discipline, you know, and to be mindful. I remember someone telling me, um, when worship really, like I said, when God really started to break that ground in me as a worship leader and finding that my strong suit was in the avenue of worship, um, sometimes it would become overwhelming with where the Lord would allow us to be ushered into. And I would just lose it. Like I would just cry and leave the people where they were. And I had to be informed, um, like a gentle rebuke, like, you know, you're leading the house. You can't leave them, you know, like, so you get to a place of God use me, but um, I guess use me to a degree where I can get what I need while also meeting the people, like, so I don't leave anybody. Because if I fall out, where right. go? Like, <laughs> it's like, bro, you get what you need, but what about us? And yeah. so um, I think in the aspect of being influenced in worship, as to where I am today, I would say C.C. Winans was a part of that foundation. And now as I grow into where I know God's taken me, um, I've really been a student of like Maverick City and Chandler Moore and um, just the the grace that God's given them to be worship leaders. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's good that you said um, as a worship leader, like God bringing you into that is more about like not only what you're getting from it, but also it's like, you gotta be mindful that you're also serving people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's really good. And I do like this idea of like um, just having, like you said, studying people and observing them and just having these different examples, not necessarily to emulate what they have, Mm -hmm. but it does help to see these different, like you said, methods of worship. The CC one is the, the Maverick City, and I think all of that diversity and just and just looking at those different examples helps us to understand even more who we are. Like for you, understand a little bit more about who you are as a worshiper and,
1: mm-hmm. and shaping
0: that. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask, how do you define worship? Wow. How do I define
1: worship? These are good questions, Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> I would define worship um, mainly as adoration towards God. It's really being intentional. And I think that's what we can overlook sometimes because when we hear worship or praise and worship, it's like we only seal it to Sunday morning worship services. Right. Um, but when you really think about worship, it's being intentional with giving God a due measure of reverence. Um, you know, they always say like, oh, we praise him for what he's done and we worship him for who he is, but it really is. It's like, it's so true. Like when I worship him, it's all about him. It's not about asking for anything. It's not about trying to manipulate his hand, but just simply telling him who he is, like how thankful I am that he is who he is in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, worship is, uh, to me, I would say it's like the heartbeat of God. It's that intimate place. It's that innermost place that we can connect with Him, um, and it's just a pure place. Mm. It's a very pure place. It's a, it's a place of intimacy. And I know that we've heard it so many times where people have compared it to, um, and I hope I'm not out of order for this, but you You're know, they compare it to um, the natural part or process of intimacy with someone else like it's that intimate it's that sweet spot like you can't rush it there's a certain way to approach worship um there's a certain thing that takes place in worship and um it's something you handle with care Mm -hmm. um it's something that you take an approach to um and I've gotten to the place of realizing, like, it really does have to be done. We're not perfect, but definitely with clean hands and, like, a pure heart. And so even if I don't have those things, my prayer is, Lord, as I worship you, help this to be created within me. You know, like, as I worship you, clean my heart, purify me, let me come out feeling refreshed. Worship is a refreshing experience, Um and I would even say, you know, a few months ago, probably close to a year, um, Pastor Fredham allowed me to preach on a Sunday morning, and the Lord gave us the message um, entitled "Worship Wins." Worship wins every time, and in that, the Lord allowed me to see that if praise is our weapon, you know, we always say we send Judah first before war, um, but if we say that praise is our weapon. Then the Lord revealed to me, like, worship has to be our shield. Like, what's really getting us, what's covering us in the middle of battle? After we've praised him and war is still going on, worship has to be that thing that we hold close to us. Like, it's like a safe place. So all hell can be breaking loose around me. Things in my own body might be going on. But once I tap into worship, you know, I no longer am... Feeling the reality that's around me. You know, depression, you know, it can't follow us into worship. That helps us realize that worship is a particular place. You know, confusion, it can't reside in the same place as worship, not within us, because worship, literally, it's a washing, it's a cleansing. If we do it properly, if we approach it the correct way, um, So I feel like I rambled on to where I can't even remember what your initial question was. (laughs) No,
0: no, that was beautiful. And and just you were explaining what worship is. And I knew in asking that question, that's a loaded question. Because worship is so many beautiful things that you were talking about. It is adoration to God. It is reverence to him. It is a deep intimacy. And and in that, um, like you were saying, God purifies us. Mm -hmm. He purifies us, and it's a place of refuge. It's so many things for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was beautiful. I appreciate that. And I want to ask, because you also kind of mentioned, like, worship isn't just what we do Sunday morning. It's not just the choir in in that time. So what does a worship lifestyle look like for you personally?
1: personally my lifestyle of worship um that is so good again because literally our lifestyle the lifestyle that we live is worship unto the lord like our bodies are temples and again i don't always get it right i'm not a perfect person but i like to believe like the the portions of myself that i present to him you know and even in honesty like like i say, lord i'm not perfect I know I've fallen short. These are things I struggle with. I think for me personally, like a lifestyle of worship is keeping those things before him um, with a mindset to not allow it to become who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I think a lot of times we can get into the place of, oh, this is a struggle of mine or I struggle with this or I struggle with that area of temptation. But at some point, we flee from struggle and it becomes a part of our system. And so I feel like as long as I can keep things honest with God and understanding his grace towards me in the things that I confess I was a struggle, and even those things that I may have allowed into the system of who I am, it's like the heart, the intentions of the heart. Yes. Um, and for me, literally, I know some people might. Uh, think about, oh, a lifestyle of worship, well, I make nothing, I make no wrongs, I'm perfect, or God snatched me out of that. But everybody will have something that keeps us before his face. (laughs) And if anybody says that they don't have something that keeps them before the feet of God, then they are a liar and the truth is not (laughs) in them. Um, But for me, when you ask personally what that is, it is me just trying to honor him every day of my life. Even in my mishaps, even in my downfalls, um, just trying to be true to who I know He's called me to be. Um, And I think that we have to get to a point of realizing that we're called to be more than what we're called to inside the church. You know, we're called to be people who love one another, Mm -hmm. um, treat people right, you know, to be forgiving all of those things create a lifestyle of worship, you know, just following his commandments to the best of our ability. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. um, When you talk about like, we're not perfect. Nobody is perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think about David, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's literally described after a man, after God's own heart. Right. And David was not a big man. (laughs) But I think when you like look at Psalms and, and other scriptures, you, you talked about like that confession, like mm-hmm. there was confession, there was repentance, there was this sorrowful art in turning to God um, for help in that and praising and worshiping God. And I think all of that, you know, was important in David's journey mm-hmm. and in ours and in the lifestyle of worship, just every day pursuing that. Um, so you also mentioned uh, a sermon that you did called Worship Wins. Um, and I think this is the one where you did the demonstration with the water, right? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we saw a little clip of it, you know, and that was powerful. I, <laughs> um, but you were kind of talking about David and Saul. And if you want to explain that demonstration like a little bit, if you can, without going like to whatever, that'd be good. So how do we remain in a worship, posture during difficult times Could you kind of mention like depression or, or being in these difficult states or circumstances and even when we look at like what's going on in the world today like these are really difficult things so how do we remain in a worship posture
1: Ooh. and i feel god leading me to go a place that i probably expected, but, you know, we're just going to go with the, we're going to go with the flow, Lord. Um, That particular part of the sermon, you know, God led me to do a demonstration uh, where we all go throughout life, you know, and, you know, there has to be, you know, there's one baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there are many refillings, there are many refreshings, you know, and those refillings and those refreshings, those moments of being refreshed, by the Holy Spirit are necessary because after you get baptized, yeah, you come out, you're on top of the world, but then Mm -hmm. you start to live life and you get hit with circumstances that you never expected to be in. People connected to you go through things that you never expected to have to walk with people through, but it's literally finding your place connected to someone else um, who has... The ability to minister to you while you're going through, um, being I, one thing that I became very sensitive to were divine relationships. Yes. Um, when I meet people, you know, really just asking, and it's not even as deep as it may sound, but you know, asking God like, what is their purpose in my life?" Are they just for a season? Because if they are, prepare me to let them go. But if they're meant to be, give me grace to handle them the right way so that I don't ruin something that's divine, something that's going to get me to my destiny. And so during that portion of the demonstration, um, I was just talking about how, you know, life happens. And when life happens, our spirits get heavy. We get discouraged. Um, we get disappointed by God and in God. You know, it's not saying that he's not capable, but when you have your expectations and when you're raising your faith and his will is not necessarily our will, it's damaging to your faith. It's damaging to your spirit. It makes you not want to worship. But finding that strength, literally, like even Job, I love the scripture because it says like, after, after he got every report, he fell down and he worshiped and so it's like even in those difficult times knowing that at the end of the day this life is going to fade away (laughs) like this body will fail us and the only thing that will remain true is god himself and the holy spirit and so being intentional and having those moments of being refreshed and uh, refilled by the holy spirit through worship um and i'll just share something personal you know um God be in my help to just share it. I hallelujah. Um I went through a very dark season during the holidays. And you know, the holiday season can already be something right. dangerous emotionally for people who have gone through loss and everything else, and just those who don't have a joyful spirit, you know. The holiday season brings joy to some, hatred to others, but I found myself going through a separation, praise your name, God, um, around the holiday season, and I had met with my pastors, um, and it was asked if I felt like I wanted to take time from leading worship, you know, just to be human, you know feel what I needed to feel, process what I needed to process. And I was on board, but then I found like it was harder for me to take a break during that time, not because there were no other capable bodies, but because that was where I found God healing me. Um, And so where I expected to go throughout that process, worship prevented me from going there. And it wasn't a thing of being blind to reality, but it realigned my focus. Like okay, this is really happening. (laughs) This separation is real. (laughs) These feelings are real. This dark place is real. But every time, and sometimes it happened at home, and a lot of times it happened in worship service, the refreshing that I needed to go through that season properly, um, it strengthened me. It strengthened my relationship with God. So being intentional in realizing like, yeah, my reality may not be what I expected, but God, I still trust you. I may not always want to worship, but I know that there's a breaking in worship. Like I understood during that time, like, I could not afford to take a break from that. And I think that's what it is when you're called to do something. Um, Breaks are necessary, but for me, staying in that posture. I think that's what it is. Yeah, God. Uh Staying in posture, even in difficult times can sometimes be what gets us through. So um, just knowing that worship was a way for me to release, you know, naturally and spiritually and to be ministered to, um, it was just vital for me to stay in that posture. Even now, like on the back end of things, I thank God that I didn't take a break because I don't know, and I don't want to know what what my mindset would have been had I taken a break from actively being a worshiper. And I know people may hear this and think, well, he could have worshipped from his seat. It's just not the same. Like, it's not the same. And there were times where I was able to lead worship. And then when I took my seat, Pastor Fred will take us into a whole nother place. And I was able to receive even more. Granny at the onset, there were some Sundays where I look back and I'm like, I probably could have sat down. But even <laughs> in that, I learned a lesson, you know, <laughs> like, again, knowing and growing as a worshiper, knowing your limits or whatever. But for the m- m- most part, during that time of my life, worship is what really kept me going it wasn't praise. It wasn't, like, literally, it got to a point where if I heard a fast song on my phone, I would get irritated because it just wasn't where I was at the time. It's like, oh, right. give me worship. Give me something slow. Give me something that I can just soak in. So...
0: Wow. Um, thank you for for being transparent and, and sharing that. And I think, yeah, it's just important for people to understand being in a worship posture like it's probably the last thing that you wanted to do Mm -hmm. was was to you know be in that space of worship but it is the thing that refueled you refilled you so that you could even pour out in that way and you were saying Mm -hmm. like being breaking in that space but also releasing and and healing Mm -hmm. in that space um and that takes a lot so i I, thank you for sharing that and i think that's why like you know, for you specifically, because you are a true worshipper, because that's kind of how God has called you. It wasn't about taking a break to 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 process it. That was your process. It, it, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh um, yeah. So I want to reference back to um, being a worship leader. You were kind of talking about it just now, but also um, a little earlier, like as a worship leader like how do you prepare to lead worship and what is your focus because there does come like this great responsibility um to keep in mind
1: uh yeah it's a really 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 great responsibility and um you know there have been sundays where you know you miss the mark and that may sound weird but as a worship leader It's like you kind of know. I'll say one, what I realized a few years ago that as a worship leader, I could not do what I do, one, without God and a sensitive spirit to his will. But more so, I could not do what I do effectively without being in relationship with my leader. Because the role of a worship leader is just as important or right on the tail end of the pastor. And so being entrusted to lead a house of worship, I have to know what the pastor's desire and vision is for the house regarding worship. And then I just have to make sure that I'm in tune with him or her, whoever the leader is at the time. I think it's important for worship leaders um, to, it's like my anointing almost has to be married to the pastors. And I feel like Mm -hmm. when you give God space to create that, you'll find that the flow of the house is so much smoother on Sunday mornings. Um, So preparing for worship, um, I I think for me, it's just being mindful that it's not about me. It's not about a gift. It's literally about pointing people to God. And I think when I talk to our praise and worship team or even with pastor then, I think I always try to mention like, our goal is to, and our prayer is for us to lead people to a point in service where we see God clearer and we acknowledge who he's trying to show himself to be in our lives in that moment in time. Um, And so when it comes down to like what songs to sing, you know, I don't try to make that anything deep. It's just like, oh, I think, you know, knowing our house, I think this would minister. um. To the house very well and so um it's just being prayerful being intentional and literally myself personally as a worship leader i try to keep an ear for songs that yes. aim for him it's not about us like there are some really good gospel songs that talk about us and what we're going through but i've discovered like for me i'm not saying it for anybody else who leads worship for me I don't want to find myself in a place of glorifying issues during praise and worship. It should all point back to him, you Mm -hmm. know, about how awesome he is about how merciful he is. It's all about God during praise and worship. And I feel like when we get to those places, um, we enter into a place of like prophetic worship where God then sings back to us or he releases a new song, which is, I find that he does a lot through me and it's very humbling to you know be in an atmosphere and you hear a song from heaven
0: wow so that is a good transition kind of into this next piece which is more about um your songwriting process your Mm -hmm. worship and being in that space of hearing these songs from God but also what you said about like worship is about God and pointing to him um and I think that's really good because you have this song called they cry holy (laughs) amazing song Um, you performed this song at one of our flight night events in May of 2019 Mm -hmm. which is so crazy. And I was listening to to it today and it still blesses me. Um, But can you kind of share like the heart of that song and how that song even came to you, like how it was developed?
1: So that song, that song is probably one of my favorite songs that God gave me. It came to me after a uh, revival service at Spirit and Truth. We, um, the Lord really visited us in that service. And afterwards we were just sitting around the sanctuary and it had to be close to midnight. And, um, Jerome, he was just playing worship, you know, just filling the room, keeping it with the atmosphere of worship. And as I sat there crying, he was playing the medley of it. And I just started to hear, hear these words. I am he, whom the angels sing. I am he whom the angels sing. I am he whom the angels sing. And they cry, holy, holy, oh, so holy. And I just started singing it. like I just started releasing what I heard. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, this is a song. And I grabbed my phone, and I just started to do a voice recording and just got a little bit of it. Because it's like as soon as it was released, the atmosphere broke like it was like all right y'all let's just go ahead and start getting ready to go so it's like oh god you released it right in time and so um i think i took it to new bethel one sunday i was assigned to lead worship we had never ministered the song they never heard it before i just told the musicians what i heard told the team like hey it's pretty much just follow me and we ministered it to the glory of god and it was effective And then I did it that night at the flight night. And um, I was watching that video probably a few weeks ago, to be honest myself. It came up and um, just watching it and hearing how the Lord started to move in that room through that song. Um, And that's how a lot of songs come to me. Sometimes I'm just walking. The other day I was around my house and I started humming something. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, this is a song let me grab my phone, let me record a piece so that I can build on it. Um, but that's, and I, in total, I would say that there have been about nine occurrences where God's given me just a prophetic song. Um, and what's funny, and then I'll stop, is that when I lived in Mississippi, it was crazy because every season that I went through, the songs that he had given me prior to my move, there was a song for every season, Rhonda. Uh And when I realized that, I was like, God, you prepared me for this. And it goes back to finding that safe place in worship. Like worship carries us through seasons. And so, yeah, that's pretty much how like the writing process goes. A lot of times it's just from sitting in an atmosphere of worship that's already been uh, produced. And sometimes it's just at random, I'll just hear something and I'll make sure that I try to get it. Um, And some Sundays, it's just, it just happens in service. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, when you performed They Cry Holy um, at that flight night in May, one, you weren't even supposed to perform that night.
1: I really wasn't. (laughs) You
0: (laughs) You were not supposed to perform you came and then you kind of pulled me to the side and you was like, this is going to be my last flight night. Like I'm, I'm moving to Mississippi. And I was like, Oh, we got to get him on the stage. <laughs> just just one more time. And that was definitely a setup from God because you ended with that song. Um, and I remember May being about that. We have a theme for every flight night and that may, it was about mental health.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that was kind of like the the last song. Um, and you d- did something similar, which is like no one had ever heard the song Autumn Ray. Um, she plays a keyboard and she sings. Um, she was mm-hmm. there that day and you were kind of like, hey, I know you never heard this song before, but yeah. <laughs> you kind of followed my lead. And I'm going to put a clip on our on our facebook and and instagram for people to hear Mm -hmm. um and that'll be at at underscore flabbera but you would have never known that y'all y'all never played it together like it just flowed so beautifully it shifted the atmosphere like it was a worship atmosphere and what i like about that song is it's about the holiness of god and nothing else (laughs) <laughs> like nothing it, else it, nothing else <laughs> it's just the angels cried holy 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 and you just say that mm-hmm. for the majority of the song and and i am he like i am god i i am the one i am holy um mm-hmm. yeah and it was just really beautiful um and so you talked about like your experience with songwriting kind of just being these moments that god gives you music um and i didn't see it with they cry holy but i've seen it twice mm-hmm. um i don't know what the song is called but it's like the angel wings I can yeah. hear the sound of angel wings <laughs> over my life oh my gosh i love that one yeah um, Then you did something else about fire but in both moments it was just kind of like a worship service. Even with the angel wings, it was kind of like you were talking about with They Cry Holy, like service is over. Yeah. Like we're kind of just vibing and chilling at this point and, and playing music and that song comes and it's just like another wave of of worship. Um, I've, I've literally seen you and I think it's just like, because you're a worshiper and you're sensitive to the spirit, I guess, I've seen you put your ear up to heaven pretty much, to like hear like, okay, God, what, what do you want me to minister oh, or I'm... say in this moment? I've, I've seen you do that. Um, and each time it's just been beautiful. So how do you make yourself available to that process to pour out? And I don't think it's just like, it comes easily to you just because I think because you have like a a worship lifestyle that you're always priming the well mm-hmm. so that when those moments happen you're pouring out. Like how do you make yourself available to the process of like God downloading these songs to you to 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 minister?
1: Um wow. <laughs> um I would say literally like when I'm given the opportunity to lead worship Um, to be before people, it's all or nothing. And I think that's all I've ever known, Um, especially if we're in a praise kind of song. Mm -hmm. I know no restraint. And I feel like it's in the moments when I give all that I have to make his praise glorious, to bring a group of people, no matter the number or size, into a place of reverencing him and like realizing that he really is amazing. I feel like when there's nothing left of me, that's when he has the opportunity to step in and say what he wants to say or sing what he wants to sing over us in that moment. Um, And that's the best way I can put it. I think once I give of myself Mm -hmm. and just yield to him, that's when it happens. Um, that's when it happens, and I feel like, you know, you mentioned David earlier, and like he was not the perfect person. He had flaws upon flaws, but it was something that he was, he, you know, he was open about. He kept certain things before God. You know, he didn't, uh, he didn't mind confessing those things. And I think when we maintain a habit of that you know, it allows God to see that we can be trusted because we trust him with those things. Realizing, like, God, even with this opportunity that you've afforded me to be on your podcast, like, God, like, I was really glad when last week didn't work out because I was like, "Who?" because, God, I don't feel worthy right now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) who? but then even today I'm at work and I'm like, oh, my Lord, like, I really got to do this podcast. But it's in moments like that of, like, Lord, I don't feel worthy, but for some reason, you've allowed me this space to to talk about worship, you know, to to lead people in a certain aspect of worship. And so I think it just goes back to, in those moments particularly, just given of myself, like, I'm literally a vessel, like, I'm his. And I've heard someone say, like, can you go hard? Like, sometimes you you, you sweat like you preach the whole sermon after praise and worship.
0: Listen, when you, you say you don't hold back, you do not hold back.
1: <laughs> like, Because it's like, what good would it do me? And I, I think it's always been that way. Like, if you were to go on YouTube and look up um, my name or whatever, my grandma's church. And I'm kind of embarrassed by those because those were my like country church days. So, you know, leading God is my everything and just hollering and stuff. It's always been that way. But definitely... And I think it's just liberating. It's because worship and praise is is liberating. And that's what it should be for us. So for me, it's like just knowing that we're doing it all together. And ultimately, it's just one time where we all get together. And so like, why waste it? Of all the days of the week, we have one day that's set aside for us to come together, those who will. So when we do, why hold back? (laughs) <laughs> I'm holding back at work I'm holding back in my office you know but when I get in the sanctuary it's like why restrain myself like God whatever you want to do with this we're yours we're yielded yeah yeah
0: that's good um, you definitely don't hold back so like <laughs> you got high energy even if it's an emotional space like you're not afraid to show those emotions and pour out in that way mm-hmm. and I think the greatest quality about you is your humility. Mm-hmm. And I think that allows you to be a vessel mm-hmm. to, to worship and, and minister to people in that way. Wow. Um, so why do you think music is such an intimate display of worship? Like when we look in scripture, but also in your personal journey like, why is music such an intimate display of that worship?
1: Wow. <laughs> wow, Rhonda. Gosh, she <laughs> could have ran some of these by me before the podcast. So. <laughs> no, I think... Oh, goodness. All right, run that by me one more time. I'm ready.
0: Why do you think music is an intimate display of worship? Like that's kind of uh, the avenue for, like, your personal journey. Like, you worship through music. Um, and we do see that a lot in scripture. So why do you think music is, is that display of worship?
1: Um, I think because music is something that's universal. You know, I think everybody, no matter your walk of life, music is something that you relate to. When you're intentional, like, if you were to go outside everything almost has a musical sound to it. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about music notes, if you hear a car driving by or a truck, it kind of has like a hmm. And so it's like, it's like God's creation is musical. And I heard, um, I don't know why I cannot think of her name right now. Gosh, she, she's one of the, one of like the legends of like songwriting and worshiping. Doctor, her name was literally on my tongue. Gosh darn it. I'm gonna have to Google it. (laughs) But I remember her sitting down with CC Wine and they were talking about how music, you know, praise is, you know, kind of cultural, you know, like when you look around the world, you know, every culture has their different avenue of praise. But worship, you know, it has no color. It has no, you know, no demographic. And so it's like worship is that melting pot for everybody to come together. And so um, for me personally, you know, I, that intimate expression, um, I think from a personal place, it just causes you to, cause it it causes you to really just reflect it's something you can't do just I mean you can start it off a whim but at some point in order to get to a certain place you have to bring all of you into a certain place of thought you know um of reverence you know and so I think music is such a great way because it's something like I said at the top like it's universal. It's something right. that everybody can connect with. And ultimately, like if we all get into that avenue of music, you know, with the same goal, we all end up at the same place in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um Judith McAllister
1: is her name. Boom. Say Thank that again. Dr. Judith McAllister. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking about, yeah.
0: Um, I like that you mentioned music being like this universal language. And music just, it just, I don't know, it just enters our spirit in a different way. Like,
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, music is a universal language. So I want to highlight um, this scripture and kind of get, Your your thoughts on it, but and you're familiar with this scripture because your church is called Spirit and Truth, John four twenty (laughs) four, and um this is John four is when he's uh, Jesus talking to the woman at the well and kind of dealing with some of her personal issues, but also offering her like the living water, which is which is him, Um, and then this kind of not necess- it's not a sidebar conversation because it's very intentional, but like this sidebar question, and, and this is just God's answer to her. And I want to read two versions, which is the New King James version, and then I want to read the message version. But John four twenty four 24 in the New King James, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And I love the message version because it expands it a more and it says, is who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him them in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit, and those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves, and adoration. Um, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts and take away from that scripture but i kind of also want to point out that when we think about god as our creator and how we are called to worship him in spirit and in truth how does creativity become an act of worship i'll start by saying
1: um for me you mentioned like my church being called spirit and truth you know um and I heard it once said, like, I don't want to go somewhere where the name doesn't match the environment. Right. <laughs> you know, and it was used as an example like, if you, when you go to the grocery store, you expect to walk in the door and see groceries. You know, <laughs> go to a tire shop. I expect to see tires. I shouldn't go to the tire shop and see groceries. I shouldn't go to the grocery store more so, other than Walmart, you know, but there's a designated area <laughs> and see tires, you know? And so, I think for me like being in a church where that is the name and that being the main goal you see it very well demonstrated um this scripture because it does state like those are the ones that God seeks and I'm not saying that to isolate the people at that ministry mm-hmm. but you know it it's very funny being at that ministry and being able to identify that with him seeking those who worship him in spirit and truth He allows us to create atmospheres where that's capable, you know, like um, it's like a mask off kind of place, like because God is spirit. And so you have to get to this place of, you know, of yielding and opening yourself for your spirit to begin to commune with him. And it's not something that can just happen on Sunday, but you know, like even throughout the week, like, being intentional of, like, having that alignment with him in the spirit so that when we do come together, there is a corporate atmosphere of worship. Um, and I think with what you were asking about how does creativity in turn represent worship, is that right?
0: Yeah, like, creativity being an act of worship itself.
1: Um, I see that as because, like you stated, like, God God created. God is a creative. <laughs> and so with him giving us all those things, I feel like when we tap into that, that is a part of a, um, who we are in our created form, you know, the form of us who God created us to be before we were tainted with sin, you know, um, our true person, our true form. When we start tapping into that, I feel like that is an act of worship because you then give back to God the thing that he put in you, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're honoring him by by releasing that portion of him in you into the world. Um, and so for me, like, when I hear that question, that's how I kind of process it. Like, when we when we tap into our creativity, you know, outside of singing, that is it's part of our lifestyle, you know, being a creative, you know, creating things. You know, you're just giving it right back to him you're tapping into the little treasures that he's given us and it's like okay god you gave me this and i want to give it back to you by releasing it into the world you know and so
0: yeah um and so as we wrap up here i guess i want to ask like a final like takeaway on the heart of worship like what is the purpose and heart of worship
1: It's really about, from my perspective, communing with God, um, allowing worship to create a space for him to speak, um, for him to heal. There are so many things that worship can work within us. Um, And so when I hear the phrase, like, here's my heart of worship, it's literally my, me saying, like, it's my desire to give my all to you, to, to allow all of you to be in me, you know, for me to experience the fullness of who God is. Um, and so I think it's really important that when we approach worship, and I know I've said this a few times during the podcast, but, like, just being intentional in setting things aside, not tucking them away, but like really in that moment of worship, putting things before the Lord um, so that when worship does become who we are, when it does become the environment, it's those things that we can be purified from or purified through because some things are a process, Mm -hmm. but in the process, you know, allowing worship to, to strip certain things off because like you can't be frustrated and worship at the same time literally like if you worship him and yield that frustration he's going to have to do something in your heart with that um and I'm a witness like I tried to worship very frustrated not leading worship but being a part of the team one Sunday a few years ago I was very mad I was very frustrated and I think I got more frustrated when I realized, like, why is this frustration leaving me? <laughs> you know, like, I want to feel frustrated, but the more we worship, literally, like, it's fleeing me. But then what that was doing, it was putting me, it was stripping pride, the The prideful spirit of frustration was being taken away, and I had to face reality, you know? And I think that's what worship should do. It should bring us into a sober place, not only regarding God, but regarding ourselves and what we deal with what we allow ourselves to operate in you know and when we do it in spirit and in truth we have no choice but to be turned into repentance you know um because that's what it should like worship should lead us to a place to where we see god in the fullness of who he is to where it puts us in a state of repenting for not always acknowledging him for for things that we're holding on to Worship should, like, you know, gosh. And I feel like repentance is an avenue to refreshing, you know. So to me, it's like my worship is pointless if I'm not yielded, if I'm not open. Because if I go into worship wanting to come out the same way, what's the point? Like, worship has to do a work. There's always a working when you worship him in spirit and truth. You can't do it and remain the same. You can't do it and still harbor hatred or offense you know um so i would say that worship is really meant for those who really want to give it up <laughs> like yeah Oh,
0: no, that's good um worship purifies mm-hmm. and it transforms yeah and i like what you said that you should never you, you don't come out of worship the same and yeah. that's that's the goal What's one creative inspiration that you wanna leave with people in relation to this conversation or just something that's been on your mind?
1: Laura, if the world could quote me, what would the quote be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: Um something that I would want people to, you know, to take away. Um a little nugget. It's literally just gonna sound just like what it is. It's gonna be like a command like just worship him you know worship him and the more you worship him the more you'll see him the more you will be able to understand him the more you worship him the more certain things will be understood and even in not understanding it worshiping him would allow you to have a sense of peace because you realize it's he who controls everything And so that would be my advice to anybody. Worship him. (laughs) Confused, just worship him. Angry, worship him. Having a bad day, worship him. Going through a divorce, worship him. Getting married, starting something new, worship him. Like that's where you will find answers. That's where you
0: will find often him. You know, he'll meet you in worship. So thank you for joining us um for people listening, please remember to subscribe, comment to let us know what you enjoyed about today's episode and share with creative other creatives. And can I just want to say thank you for hanging out with me in the creatives nest, for sharing your wisdom and your experience on the heart of worship.
1: This was so and good. I thank you for
0: to me. release your songs. Huh. The live album concert. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> Oh Lord, listen, I'm that waiting. is my
1: prayer. I told someone the other day that that's my desire, not for fame or fortune, no. but just so people can encounter him. Oh, it's gonna be in good. a new way. Oh man, Rhonda, you're gonna make me hang up this call and start playing and stuff. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity. I had been ner- very nervous, but I thank you for being a wonderful host and you know, just opening your platform for this opportunity. So thank you, and I pray that God just blesses you and that he enlarges your audience and that it remains effective because it really is it's something amazing
0: i appreciate you and i always enjoy talking to you i'm always grateful when you agree to to be a part in some way because it it makes a difference so thank you
1: yes ma'am